It's Cofield and Company, live on the road on ESPN Las Vegas. Three o'clock hour on the road is Resorts World. We're in the uh, convention area. Wonderful property. Appreciate them hosting the show and also uh, media day for men's basketball for the Mount West Conference and the West Coast Conference. We'll have a couple of West Coast Conference conversations coming a little later in the show, but... We had a chance to uh, grab Leon Rice. Boo! He knows. Leon knows why Vegas is irked with him. Things don't die easily here around UNLV. And, you know, there was the thing with Dave Rice. And here's the other one. They're good. Right? It's annoying that Boise State is good. And they're really good at basketball. I think they're the favorite. Even though the uh, defending runner-up. The NCAA is still in the conference, even though they've tried to leave multiple times. We won't go down that path with San Diego State. But, yeah, we started off the conversation, and I threw it right at Leon Rice, saying uh, you should be proud of the fact that I believe you guys are the favorite to win the conference this year. You know, the preseason poll, I was looking at this on the way down here and uh, trying to figure things out. I think preseason polls have become so hard because of the portal. I mean, look at Utah State. How can you guess where they could be in, in league? I mean, they have zero, zero returning points from last year's team. So in the old days, you'd look at it and go, okay, who has the most returning? Who's got the best nucleus? But there's so much driven by the portal that you can't even begin to project. So I appreciate that. that you know, that <laughs> well, I think you have the most returning. Yeah, we, we do have a lot returning. And I like and your players that are returning. No doubt. And, and they're winners. They know how to win. And they've proven that they can win. So it's a good place to start. But... You know, you got New Mexico with a two first-team preseason all-conference guys. How do you not pick them? But you don't know what, you know, nobody's seen their big guys as far as with those guys. So there's so many moving parts there. San Diego State, how do you underestimate them? Nevada, UNLV. I mean, Kevin did a great job in gathering the right guy. you know. So, but but there's just so many moving parts that I don't know how you could predict it. I do love my team, and, and I know that we're going to be really competitive. Uh, where the chips fall, I couldn't say, but I, I do like it, and I think we're going to have a good ball club. So speaking of the portal, I think you guys were the only team in the Mountain West that didn't lose a starter right. to the transfer portal. So what does that say about your program, that you're able to keep it together like well, that? Well, it starts with the way we recruit, because we have a long-term plan for these guys. It's long-term development, and it's worked. I mean, you, you see Tyson, for example, he comes in freshman of the year first team all league we got to keep him moving in that direction and he is he's a different player this year than what i saw last year at this time and and that that's he was pretty darn good last year so uh that's kind of the philosophy of our program and the the guys are buying in but we recruit to that we put our cards on the table and you know that's what we go and get for the long term and um you know we even I think the proof is in the pudding with what we've done with transfers as far as some of those transfers we've developed, where we're the number one school in the country as far as players coming in and changing their numbers. So they averaged one or two points somewhere else. They came and became all Mountain West players, Abu Kijab. Uh, and we got a lot of those examples. And, and so the development isn't just for high school guys. It's for transfers. It's what we do. So there's a commitment from both sides, from us and from the players. How is Degenhardt different? Well, he, last year, he, I mean, Tyson's such a great kid, and 
high character guy. He just did whatever the team needed. Well, the team needed him to be a center. Mm -hmm. And because my philosophy, I'm going to get the five best guys I can get on the floor. I don't care about position. Well, that left him having to guard centers. Didn't mean he always played center offensively, but still he had to do a lot of heavy lifting. It affected maybe his offense a little bit. So now we get, you know, one thing in his humble way, Tyson said, uh, do you think you can go out and get some centers to help? <laughs> and we did. We got two great ones. Tyson's going to be able to play a lot more, kind of a three, four, five, whatever that looks like. Because right. we play positionless anyways. So I've seen it really, really affect the way he's shooting the ball. Yeah. And he is shooting the basketball right now. Yeah, he... Um he was carrying a heavy load last year. Yeah, Not he out was. of shape, but he was a big fella. Right. Uh, powerful. No and I know, you know, when UNLV talked about your team, everything went through him, and he was just kind of a beast in the post. And I think it was Shane Noel who defended him pretty well. And, yeah. you know, Shane's one of those guys for UNLV who's a, a hybrid dude. So now what happens at point guard? Because you lost a good player point yeah, guard. Yeah, I, I really – the game I saw up there, um, I was really impressed by Whiting, and then he did some good things in the Mountain West Conference tournament. Yeah. Uh, but he's not the only guy you have the point. Right. And and the best thing about Jace, he's a 22-year-old sophomore, and he got tons of experience last year. He's a tough kid, gritty, does whatever the team needs. We got a lot of guys that are like that, and that's you know that usually translates to wins. And so he's battling Roddy Anderson, who's a transfer from UC San Diego. Those two have been great. And they're a lot different, you know. Uh, but it, it, their development and the way they play point will be a big, huge key to our team because we've got old veterans at every other position. And, you know, so that's our quote-unquote inexperienced position, but you got a kid in Roddy who played every minute of every game that he could and averaged about 18 his last 15 games at UC San Diego last year. And then you got Jace, who got a lot of great experience. He's 22 years old. So I say we're inexperienced and we're young, but it's relative. Yeah. Yeah. Get, get old, stay old. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you mentioned wanting to get like your five best guys out there. So what do you ask of your point guard when, like essentially, not positionless basketball, right, but you're getting your five best guys out there and you're not maybe having the same responsibilities as a traditional point guard? What are you looking for? Well, we do need a traditional point yeah, guard. Okay. And there's, you know, this day and age, there's not as many as there used yeah. to be. You know, there's, and, and Roddy's a great scorer and a great, uh, he can get to the basket, all those things. He's really developing as a point guard. Jace has got point guard instincts. But again, he's another a great shooter, good scorer. We really need those guys and want those guys. Not that I can, I can they might score 30 a game because you got to guard all those other guys. But you have to be a point guard first. Doesn't mean you can't score out of it. But we need guys that can facilitate. And those guys are, they're doing a great job with that. Leon Rice is with Cofield and Company, ESPN Las Vegas on the road, Mountain West Conference Men's Media Day, Men's Basketball Media Day. So I heard some good things about the uh, the vibe around the program in Boise. Um, ticket sales, pretty high, right? I think season yeah, tickets, are, is it an all-time high for season tickets to the point where you may have season tickets sold for not only the lower level, but then the mid-level Yeah, we're, our, we're sold out for the first two levels already, right. and um, it, they're going fast, and we're going to, you know, this could be a record year. It makes such a difference for our program, and uh, you know, Boise's grown, our program's grown right with it. The, the Our administration, I can't say enough about how great Jeremiah and his staff, Cody Gogler, you know, uh, our guys that do all that stuff behind the scenes, they're A+. And they made such a difference. I've been there a long, long time, and, and they've really changed this program a lot, and they deserve a lot of credit for it. 
because I, you know, I think Kelvin Sampson said it, and it really stuck with me. Coaches, we can win games, but when you get an administration, that's how you win championships over and over again. That supports you and that does all those things and gets fans there and and sells tickets because you know I can only walk across the river so many times right. to get people going there. Uh, now I don't have to do that. Those guys are doing it for us, and this community supporting us, and that's what makes Boise so great. Is we are the we are the team. We are the professional team in not just Boise, but the great state of Idaho. I got to credit you guys as well. Leon Rice is with us with NIL. And I know officially coaches really can't be involved, but I thought it was really interesting that you guys were very upfront. When you got players back yeah. last year, it was like, hey, he's got this deal, this deal, and this deal. So yeah. you're, you're helping the client by putting it out there, but also making it visible to players that, hey, we're going to take care of you. Someone no is from an NIL standpoint. And it's all part of the, you know, they deserve it. I mean, you think those fans are buying tickets to see you? Me yes, standing yes, around yes. on the no, right? right. I, I don't think so. Yeah. Well, the referees don't think I'm very entertaining <laughs> sometimes, I, and I'm trying to do better with that. That's uh, I pray about that all the time. Uh, but uh, and then I say that, and then in the airport, one of the guys here says, "You know, coach, don't lose that fire. Keep fight." I'm like, well, I guess I have to. Uh, you're not. But, you're not going to lose it. But. No, the, the, it, it's, that's something we really embraced. You know, those players deserve this. Our community supports it. But we're adding value to their businesses. We're, you know, it's a symbiotic relationship that is the way it's supposed to be. And so we are rewarding the guys that stay there, first of all, because it's part of our development plan. So everybody in the program is getting something. But the longer you're there, the more you're going to get. And the sky's the limit. We're, we're scratching the surface of what we're going to be able to do, but our guys are taken care of. And not just with the uh, NIL money, but in opportunities for them down the road. You know, the biggest realtor in the state of Idaho is Matt Bauscher, one of our former players. And so he came there, played there, and capitalized on his Boise State basketball experience and took that into the business world. And that's what is so cool about Boise is they get those kind of long-term opportunities, not just short-term. Does Matt sit on the floor? Oh, yeah. On the, near the opposite yeah. table? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I said next And the referee, And the referees know him, yeah. too. I said yeah. Last year, I was like, well, this guy's a lunatic. He's, he's the greatest because I will see something happen. I'll just about be ready to say something. And from the other side of the court, I'll hear somebody yelling at an official and saying exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, oh, good. I guess I don't have to do that. But... Uh, he's just been such a loyal Bronco, and I, but he, he's not alone. I got yeah. And that's what's neat about it for me is there's a lot of these former players that are moving back there and living there, and the ones that are playing professional come back in the summers, and that, that's the value of staying somewhere for a long time. So from your standpoint, like personal achievement-wise, what would it mean to make it to three straight NCAA tournaments? You know, obviously everything you read is like, hey, consecutive NCAA tournaments for Boise State. But what would it mean for you on the, you know, the grand list of things that you've achieved so far? Well, first, it's a credit to our league because yeah. you can't do that unless you're in a good league because you got to be able to get some at-large bids. And it has been good for a long time. We've had a lot of good teams that didn't get bids over the years. But now we're, you know, San Diego State's run this year helped. But the... That we're getting a little more respect, not just inside the West Coast or inside our league, but now outside of it is deserved. I mean, there's great teams in this league, and we know it. You guys have seen them up close and personal. But 
for me personally, I, I don't get into that, but it's the goal of what we want in our program, that consistency of having a program, not just having a team, good team here, good team there. We want to have a program that, not, you know, year in and year out, we're consistent. We're competing for a league championship because that means something to us. The league championship, everyone likes to talk about the NCAA tournament, and it's the crown jewel, and everyone talks about that, but it's the consistency of being good in league every year. That's the true measure of a program. So really quick on that, because a lot of talking heads, not us specifically, um, but you'll hear you'll hear a lot of, and I actually I find yeah. myself finding this battle a bit, which is, you know, the Mountain West as a whole outside of San Diego State the last couple of years hasn't had the success in the tournament, right? Sure. They make it there, but they don't get the wins. Right. And I've been kind of pushing back, like, well, no, it's a good conference. These teams are making it there. Right. How important is it to actually get, like, wins outside of just the oh, San Diego State? And, and, and I get that. I you understand know? that. I was at Gonzaga 11 years. I know how... But there's always going to be more, you know. If I mean, getting there is quite an accomplishment. Well, now all of a sudden, every everyone just well, when are you gonna start winning them? Okay, getting there is pretty good, you know. It's now, but you know that's the thing. You gotta, but you gotta do a body of work that helps you get a great seed and the right seed. And you know, there's some not luck, but there you just have to keep getting there over and over again. Get a better seed and a better seed and a better seed. And I think we've gotten some bad breaks seed-wise. I mean, we're, we're the last team to play a true road game in the NCAA tournament. We are a trivia question. Someday you'll pull a card from Trivia Pursuit. And who is the last team to play a true road game in the NCAA tournament? Well, it's the Boise State Broncos. And we lost at the buzzer. You know, I mean, if that game was on a neutral, who knows? You know, right. so, so you take that with a grain of salt. But our guys are hungry to, to do that and but you first have to get there and that that and then you have to get there with a good seed and a good opportunity and then maybe get a break there you go leon rice i believe the favorite boise state in the conference but that's a bold prediction since san diego state has been so dominant with the results after the regular season but they got a good team uh, Dagenhardt, their best player, still walking around here doing some of his duties. He has lost some weight, and uh, he wasn't one of those guys who was a, a lard ass and wasn't working. They actually needed him to play the biggest position, the the center position. So I think he bulked up a little bit. Um, and I, you know, I never got to the question with Leon Rice: What is it like for coaches when your best player has pro basketball aspirations and you're playing him out of position, and yeah. you're kind of taking away his ability to shoot a lot of threes? And because he was playing the big position, I think when he did fade to three. Uh, he wasn't comfortable, so his three-point shooting went down, you know, year year on year. Yeah, I think it's a fascinating dynamic, but it, I, I would think it speaks to, and it's a positive, your willingness to be a team player. So thus, in draft scouting and whatnot, you're willing to go in there and say, "Hey, look, I think I can be this. I think you guys know I can be this." But my team needed me to do something else, and I was willing to do it for the best of the team. And Dagenhart is a prime example of why that program's been consistently good because underrated recruit. Grew up in Spokane, obviously. Rice has his connections to Spokane from coaching at Gonzaga. Gonzaga doesn't offer, and then, well, I guess he's he's got to go to Boise, and then he's you know oh, their, their pillar for four years. Darn, you really you really took a step down, huh? right? It's it's so funny the way this works out. They are um, uh, they're four to one by the way to win the conference. They are the favorite. No, no, no. What's uh, what's San Diego State plus one seventy five? Ah, that's wrong. Am I crazy? No, I don't think you're crazy at all. At the very least, I don't think that gap exists. And actually, I I just pulled it up. I'm wrong. Plus one forty. For San Diego State. And that's to win, that's the tournament? That is the or? Mountain West regular season title. Really? All right. I want to look into that bet. Although I don't want to root for Boise State, so. 4-1, to one, that, though. When is, you bet, you're not supposed to be. It does, it's the, who cares who you're rooting for? Right? Yeah. You, you bet. But with your head, man. I know. I was going to say. I, I couldn't get it out. UNLV is 14-1 for what it's worth. 
Who's in between Boise and UNLV? New Mexico. New Mexico's up there, uh, twelve to one in that range. Um, there's a fourth Nevada? team that I'm not thinking of ahead of UNLV. No, they're both the same. I think okay. they're both at fourteen to one. All right. Uh, let's talk to some of the players here on the way back. We're going to catch up with uh, a guy who is returning. He's been a rebel killer over the years uh, from Colorado State. Isaiah, uh, Isaiah Stevens is on the way. Now, back to Cofield and Company, live on the road. Yep, Resorts World, Mountain West Conference, Media Day, West Coast Conference, Media Day. You know, we joked earlier looking around, we're like, that guy's back again. You know, with the COVID year. Guys can be around for five and sometimes six years. And, and one of the real awesome players in this league, and he's a good guy. Um, you'll hear in this conversation, we talked some radio because he actually did his own players radio show up in northern Colorado. Isaiah Stevens has been awesome in this league. But I had to start out of the conversation jokingly asking him, like, wait, you're back again? What are you doing here? Crazy. <laughs> Isaiah Stevens. Because i got to tell you, there are fan bases around this conference because now with the, the COVID year and um, guys can stay around longer, it's like, especially you because you're really good. I'm sure a lot of fan bases are going to be like, my God, he's back again. Yeah. So what went into the decision of coming back? Man, I just felt like it was the right decision for me. Uh, I tried to do the NBA thing and uh, got a lot of great feedback. Uh, also got some things that I know I can improve on in, in that regard as well. But Ultimately, I just felt like there was no point in trying to leave CSU just just yet. So uh, why not try to finish out my career on a, on a good note? The, the crazy thing about you being back for another year is it's, it's the same school. And yeah. I, I, you must have had opportunities the last couple of years and people buzzing you to, to go to Power 5. So what's so special about Medved? What's so special about Fort Collins that you're like, no, I like it here? For sure, man. Yeah, definitely a lot of people tugging in different directions. Everybody feels like the grass may always be greener if you continue to search out for that. But uh, I like being where my feet are. Uh, I feel like I'm able to be myself, be the player that I am. And uh, I don't have too many reins on me at all uh, when I'm out there playing at CSU. And Coach Medved, man, that's, that's somebody that's just believed in me from day one. And I'm just truly grateful for everything that he's allowed me to, to, to push for as a player. And so I felt like... Why not go back and just try to go out on a high note with him? So how do you reflect on last year? Because it got off to a really good start, you know, peaked with uh, that win over St. Mary's, but then injuries kind of derailed the season. So how do you view a season like that and tying that into a motivation for this year? Man, so uh, the way we talk about it is kind of like a double-edged sword, right? Uh, On one end, you use it as motivation, help build that chip up on your shoulder. Uh, We brought back a lot of players that experienced that, so trying to get that taste out your mouth, right, and work harder and play harder and all that different stuff and try to change the narrative. But then at the same time, you got to leave the past in the past. Uh, No two teams are ever the same. No two years ever are the same either. So uh, part of that, you got to leave back there in the past and try to just keep blazing forward, and I feel like we're doing that right now. What's the biggest shot you've made in your history man, at Colorado State? History at Colorado State, the biggest shot I've made, man. Because uh, I was at a game at the Thomas & Mack last year. That, that was that a big one. I felt like sure. the game was in hand, and then there's a cat shooting like a turnaround from midcourt, <laughs> banking it, and the crowd is like, again, why is he still here? <laughs> that, 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 that one is definitely up there. Uh, it's hard to beat hitting a game winner in the Mountain West Tournament. Like, season on the line, uh, your run is on the line. We felt like we had a little bit of momentum going there. Uh, being able to hit that floater against Fresno. They had, and they were playing lights out at that time, too. So uh, that one's up there. But it's hard to beat uh, a half-court turnaround, double clutch. Like you, do, you just don't hit those all the time. So I'll probably say that one. Did you, did you know it was going in? 
I knew it was online. Everybody yeah. always asked me that. I never thought that I was going to turn around and just hit this, especially when it was two guys standing right there. But as it started to travel a little bit, it's like, okay, it's, at least it's online, so you give it a chance, right? And the, re the rest is history from there. Isaiah Stevens with Cofield and Company, John Von Tobel. Cofield, we're hanging out at Resorts World, Mountain West Conference Media Day. There's other entertaining games in, in your history, and one of them that I really enjoyed because I was there for this one, and it didn't work out for you guys, but the duel between you and Bryce Hamilton a couple of years ago. Man. Everything was going in. Man. Too many shots for him. <laughs> Way too, <laughs> too many. many shots yeah, for he started him, getting crazy from three. Oh, my gosh. I, I actually hate talking about it. But he's such a great player, and we had some some great battles between UNLV and uh, CSU during his time there, and I, I have nothing but respect for him and his game, man. And yeah, it, it felt like everything he put up was going in. Uh, hopefully, I was just trying to put our best foot forward as well. But when a guy gets it going like that, it's, it's hard to overcome. So, John, if you notice, Isaiah is very comfortable with the microphone. Yeah. I don't know if you knew this, and I don't know if you're doing it again this year. I hope you are. Um, he had his own show last year. What would you do, about a half an hour? I did. It was about anywhere from 20 to 30 minutes, yeah. You like it? I love it. Honestly, it was, and it kind of came easy to me, but Brady Hole, the guy that uh, runs it with me, he's like the easiest guy in the world to have a conversation with. And so when you walk into the studio or you're on the phone with him, it's, it's almost like you're just talking hoops. And then he'll throw in a question here and there, you just answer it. But he kind of got me more and more comfortable uh, in this setting. So like something you're going to pursue as, once you're done with basketball? Man, I haven't even thought about yeah. it. But uh, he did bring the question up one time, and ever since then it's kind of – trended maybe in that direction like hey why not or a lot of players in today's generation are kind of starting their own media outlets do so, a podcast you can make money off of that on know, the side of whatever you're doing you know what i mean so why not and i love talking hoop all day every day like you can ask anybody that knows me so it was like why not so probably might start looking into that one a little bit more are you gonna do it again this year i am okay and We're that's an, that's an AL. Right. Yes, it is. So, yeah, man, they're, they're taking care of me. Uh, we got some sponsors to help uh, fund the show. And, yeah, man, I'm just thankful that he thought enough of me as a player in the area to, to call up and get one started. So I think it's such a good idea, too, because after your basketball career, practicing, doing stuff like this, your communication skills just go through the roof. When you, when you do a radio show, it's just like a side deal. Absolutely, man. And like you said, and it, it kind of just those habitual habits that are – just continuing to build up over time, so I'm excited. Oh, I thought you were telling me like I could take some tips from this. <laughs> you might want to start a podcast with him when he's when he's done at CSU. Hey, we can, we can talk about it. We can talk about it. Well, he's a he's a big gambling guy, so he's on uh, okay. Visa locally. You guys can't really get into that right yeah. now. No, about uh, well, I'm a big. We can get it. I'm a big NBA guy. I like okay. NBA. Hey, we can talk. Yeah. We can talk hoops yeah. all day, man. So I was going to ask you. You know, obviously it's because of you to a most part because you're an awesome player. But why does Colorado State's offense work so well? Man, because I think it's never about just one guy trying to outwill the whole defense. Uh, we preach spacing, pacing, and keeping the ball moving. Those are our three staples in our offense. And so um, I've always felt when our offense is at its peak, it's when multiple guys are in the flow, in a rhythm, touching the ball, and able to take shots that they're comfortable taking. Because there's, there's been times where if you read you know, anything about the, the program and with you, one of the criticisms for you is actually take more shots at Man. times. <laughs> I've, I've heard that a ton, so selfless, yeah. right? I've heard that a ton, but it's hard when you're the point guard because at my position, it's not just about, all right, I, I get the ball all the time so I can do whatever I want right. with this. You also got to be mindful about the guys around you. Like, how can I get them going? Because when we're all rolling, we're a much better team, tougher to beat. It's less about me trying to put up a whole bunch of numbers. What's the next step for a Vegas guy in uh, Tabby Jackson? Man. 
first off, just continue to get healthy. Uh, just continue to be uh, available on the floor because, man, when he's healthy and he's rolling, man, he is special. Like, he just has such a natural instinct of being around the ball and playmaking that uh, he dealt with some different injuries like shoulders and some hip stuff uh, last year. And so hopefully we can get him back on the floor in full strength. And right now he's looking sharp, man. Who's the impact new guy on the roster? Impact new guy. We got a couple. Uh, so I'll definitely say Dominique Clifford from Colorado transfer. Uh, super versatile, just a lot more length on the wing, can go out one through four, can score at a high level, and he sees it. Uh, Javante Johnson from New Mexico high-level 3-and-D guy who can also make plays off the bounce for us. And then we also got the D2 player of the year, Joel Scott, uh, just a bruiser, man. Can guard one through five, great feet, great hands, can finish with both hands. And, yeah, man, he, he nice. just gives us a different look than I don't think we've had in a while. Hey, really quick, uh, the 76ers were out there yes. practicing. Did you guys get to interact with them? Did we you did. get to take advantage of that? We did. We got yeah. to watch them practice, and uh, I also got a chance to watch a few just private workouts after the uh, second session that they would do later in the evening. And so, yeah, man, that was a crazy experience. Yeah. Just the way they talk to each other, the way that they build their habits up during training camp, because that's probably the hardest they're going to go all year, especially on the championship team, right? right? And seeing how guys like Pat Bev communicates or P.J. Tucker is flying around in a shell drill or Tyrese Maxey pushing the pace in circle transition as we're working on our um, fast break offense. And all, all those different things, I think, definitely helped us just being able to watch them. Got any insights on Harden? What was that dynamic like? Man, he was actually out there practicing. <laughs> yeah, like, right? He was practicing and going out there. And he was competing and communicating. Like, you would never be able to tell that he was going through – any kind of contract right. dispute. He was a super cool dude. I got to shake his hand, talk to him a little bit about uh, some Niners football. He was a Niner fan. I'm from Dallas, uh, so my family are huge Cowboy fans, and we got into it a little bit over that, but it was it was all in good fun. It's the voice of Colorado State leading scorer, Isaiah Stevens, radio veteran as well, probably going to take over as a host on this show <laughs> right. at some point. Um, you're non-con. This, this is a good schedule. You have a possibility of playing some really good teams, especially in that uh, Hall of Fame Classic. Uh, yeah. If you can get by BC, I think the way it's set up, you get Creighton and then obviously the rivalry with Colorado. So that, yep. that's got to be exciting as a guy coming back. You want to play a good schedule. I think that was the main reason that brought me back here. Uh, it was not only am I comfortable with the coaches and my play style and the guys that are here in the environment, but Medved said, well, if you're coming back, we're about to load this thing up. And I was like, let's do it then. That's what we're here for. That's like who doesn't want to play in those high, those high tension, high intensity games. And so... Yeah, man, I'm excited for it. And then we also got Washington on the uh, in a neutral game here in Vegas. Uh, we got St. Mary's, which will be a great one there. An outstanding program over there. So, yeah, man. So uh, let's close on this. I'll tell you, as a, as a radio guy, um, I get fired up about a lot of things. But one of the things I get fired up with is someone who may be a tough subject, right? Mm -hmm. Like I've watched them do interviews and, uh, you know, they doesn't go well. Yeah. And, and the guy I always like to talk to is Bob Huggins, who okay. is incredibly curmudgeonly. Right? Yeah. But once you get him going, like if you can get a little respect from him, right, it works. Yeah. For you guys, right? For a guy like you as a lead scorer, that was a long lead into this question. But um, <laughs> is there a team in the Mountain West where you're like, I love playing against them because I, lo I love to conquer. I love to you know dominate my position. Like who really challenges you or what arena? Where do you, right. where do you go on that? Well, I think it comes down to probably about three or four teams for me being in the league for so long now right i'm uh, the elder <laughs> statesman right he's got stories for <laughs> yeah, days, I, got, I got a lot of experiences uh i think it runs through san diego state no matter what uh being able to win at va house is probably one of the toughest things i've ever had to try to do uh, i've only done it once 
uh, in a historic fashion that it took. So uh, Viejas, uh, Logan is an incredible environment. They're tough to beat on the road, uh, especially when they had Sarah Merrill and Nemes Kata and all those guys running through there. So that's tough. Boise is a very a very difficult place to win. They just always have a good team, man. They just always have some players that know how to win, know how to play. And then how do you not mention the pit, right? Uh, probably the toughest place to play in the country, in my opinion. And then I played at Cameron my freshman year, Cameron Indoor. Incredible environment, super loud, tough place to play. But the pit is, is a little bit different down there. So. By the way, Utah State a little bit different now because uh, Stephen Ashworth off to Creighton, who you could play. Yep, could play. But great yeah. player, man. Great player. And, and that place... He's a, he's a silent assassin. Man. He's actually not that silent. He, he's not. He, he's not that silent. But I respect. I respect Stephen Ashworth, man. Just a, an extreme competitor. Uh, me and him. I want to say we entered college around the same time. So I've been playing him my whole time. And if we play again this year, I think that'll be five straight years of competing against yeah. him. So yeah, man, great player. Thank you. That was a great spot. My man, I appreciate y'all. There he is, Isaiah Stevens. Uh, we'll take a quick time out here. We'll get into the Raiders a little bit, some more headlines, and we're getting you ready for uh, Thursday Night Football right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Now, back to Cofield and Company, live on the road. Tons of college basketball today. It's college football season. I almost said college football. Cofield, JVT, down here at Resorts World. We got a, uh, a guest analyst. Raiders expert in studio, and uh, Myra Gomez is going to continue with us here to close out the hour. Myra, you got us? What's going yes. on? How are hey. you? Hey, good. How are you? Uh, we're good. I really appreciate you coming into studio. So before we deep dive on the Raiders, give me your general impression of the start to the season because um, I think some people are down on the Raiders. And I, listen, they I'd like to see them better than two and three, but they've been in a lot of close games. So just general impression of how they've started out here. I think everybody wants to see the Raiders. If you're part of the Raider Nation, you want them to have a winning record, obviously. But I think overall, they're okay. I wouldn't go and give them a straight A, you know, just yet. Uh, the games have been very close. There have been a lot of controversial calls, obviously. But overall, I think they're they're moving in the right direction. But there's still a lot of opportunities for improvement. Uh-oh. Do you think some of it has come down to lack of calls, that the officials have screwed them over a bit? <laughs> you know, I, I don't really like to give my opinion in that sense, but I think that <laughs> I think they screw themselves over sometimes, you know, and it's it happens. I mean, we all make mistakes, right? We all, we all make mistakes, and I think there's a lot of flags there that in key plays, especially, you know, these past couple of games, um, there's been these, these flags not – necessarily when they should unlike monday night football monday night football they had you know that that flag called on the defense and it was perfect because then they went and stopped them in the red zone so that was good there's smart flags too but unfortunately in game two and three that was not the case myra gomez with cofield and company back in our finley toyota studio um i'm going to take a break here in a second uh but i do want you to intro because a lot of the people on who listen to espn las vegas don't speak spanish uh, don't listen to our Spanish coverage. So you are part of the Spanish broadcast team. Where can people hear the games, and then what what are the elements in the broadcast? Yeah, so I do. I'm the I'm the color analyst for our Spanish broadcast team. You can listen to it on Raiders.com Español, and also on the app, the official app, team app, and you can find us on all the new um, new new profiles that we have under at Los Raiders. And on Instagram, on Twitter, and on YouTube now, as of last week. Stick and stay, right? Don't leave. 
Uh, on the way back, I do want to build on that. I want to talk about Raider Nation from a Latino standpoint. Uh, and let's look at some other elements with the Raiders early in the season, some of the struggles on offense, and we'll talk about the need for a pass rusher. But quick break here, Damon, and we'll come back on Cofield and Company live from the Finley Toyota Studios and also Resorts World. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. All right, rolling towards Thursday night football here on ESPN Las Vegas. We will cut out at 5 o'clock. Brad Power's up in an hour. We're talking Raiders right now. Raiders feeling a little better about themselves. I think have multiple winnable games coming up. We'll get to that in a second with the Patriots on the way. But Myra Gomez is in the Finley Toyota Studios back uh, at Lotus Broadcasting. Damon is there as well, JBT, Cofield. Um, before we jump back into the Raiders do you believe there's any chance Denver can pull off the upset over the Chiefs? Tonight. Yes, uh, tonight. I don't see it. <laughs> I You're don't, like, wait, wait, uh, this, wait, this year? <laughs> like now? Like, wait, there's football tonight? Wait. Seven years from you now. Mean it's not Wednesday? No. Um, no. I just, I can't see it. I think that their offense has obviously been working up to it, but I just, I can't see it yet. I think, oh, you know, Russell Wilson, obviously, and his new head coach are, are finally clicking and things seem to be moving along but no I mean the Kansas City Chiefs are just a dominating team they whatever way you see it they they've got a great defense they've got a great offense you know and they did say um, he was questionable still Travis Kelsey but I mean Taylor Swift is going to be in the building they can't lose yeah they can't lose with Swift there I right? think I I don't know I think one of the great conspiracy theories that people are running with is the Chiefs are getting a lot of calls going their way because of Taylor Swift. (laughs) Why would that work? The league wants to make her happy. They need her. I don't think they need her, but it's good to have her. It's good. When it comes to marketing, it's good to have her. Okay? That's that's just a fact. You can never you can never say it's bad marketing when you're bringing in more fans, when you're growing the game, when you've got, you know, more sales. I mean, look at Travis Kelsey. His numbers just on Instagram doubled in 24 hours. So, he's she's good to the NFL, but yes, I I understand. She really put the NFL on the map. Oh, I'm I'm <laughs> sure, yeah. yeah. I I will tell you the one comment that did get under my skin was actually when I read that thanks to tra- to Taylor Swift, dads and little girls were watching football. And I said, excuse me? Wait a second. I said, excuse me? What, what, did I just start watching football today? Right. I'm confused. Dad, what, what happened? So, we, that, yes. Does anyone on the show right now actually know a Swifty? No. I mean, Swifty assumes, like, insanity, like, in terms of fandom. Oh, it does? So I, I, yes. I would say no. Like I like I, I would know say that. like my wife likes Taylor Swift and likes she's her a Swifty. So is that is that the bare minimum? You just have to like her music. I don't, I don't, then are, technically, I'm a Swifty. I are, like like ten of her songs. Are well, all I think Swifties you have to buy crazy? merchandise. Yeah, there you go. See, okay. yeah, you have to like actually possess some of her merchandise. I think yeah. I you know if you're a Swifty because it's like being a fan. Like if you're a Raider fan, you know you have a t-shirt, you have a hat, like you know you follow along. So I think that that's one of the things, and you have to know where her next concert is. Which I, I don't, don't know, actually. I don't know that. Yeah. I don't either. What's the a, like, tour what? resumes actually at the end of October. Not that I would know. Oh, oh really? See, <laughs> see, so you're closer to a Swifty than we are. Yeah. What's Swifty merchandise? Like, what would be something easy for me to buy? A t-shirt. I, 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 yeah. Well, 
I don't like. I, mean, I don't he, think. I don't, I'm, too, I'm, I'm too beefy now. <laughs> I'll go the opposite way. Like a triple X T-shirt, a, a Taylor Swift triple X T-shirt would be. Absurd. Myra, I'll go the opposite way. What you were talking about, the comment that bugged you. Uh-huh. Uh, but I'll go. I'll kind of go over the top and say I don't know if Taylor Swift's clothing lines go in like men's two XL. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to be the. I, uh, I don't uh, know. That I would not know, but I think there there was a rumor that the NFL had a new T-shirt that was like Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. So that might be an immense two two XL. Um, we just sprouted an idea because John and I were talking about Halloween, and my You're dress up like Taylor Swift. No, I think I might go as a Swifty, but I got to figure out what a Swifty is and what they wear. Just get a friend. Make sure you make a friendship bracelet. Yep. Oh, that's right. Friendship bracelet. And you got to give them away, though, right? Or mm-hmm. do you wear them? Someone gave me one, yes. Yes. You got to... You yeah, I know With a the phone number? Uh, no, it was just um, one of the bracelets oh. that she had made for the concert. She gave it yeah, to me. Back in my Ooh. day, you made a bunch of bracelets, <laughs> and then you took ecstasy, and you went to raves, and then you gave them out, all right? <laughs> I mean, I was six when I was making friendship bracelets, but... I'm not taking ecstasy. I'm no. sorry. <laughs> not, not for the costume, but... Not but, that I would know. Not that I would know. But if I could find that. bracelets, yeah, I'll do it. So that's a good idea. But you have to make them yourself. So maybe that's oh, what we need to do. On. We need to all sit around, you know, next the next after the next Raider game, Some after bonding. our next win, and just sit around and have make friendship bracelets. Tell me how intense in Vegas the Latino part of Raider Nation is. And oh, is it more huge. intense is it more intense than the rest of Raider Nation? Is it more intense than the rest of Raider Nation? Well, it just, it, I mean, it depends. Because there's a lot of Latino fan base that doesn't identify necessarily as part of the Latino crew or group or whatever. Um, I think that Raider Nation has a, lo- a huge uh, Latino fan base. And, I mean, I, I grew up as a Raider fan. So our, if, for those, of, those that remember Oakland, um, you know, that place back there where we used to be, there was a sea law and there was always mariachi, banda, tequila, tacos. Um, so it was huge. But then on the other side, you also have some of that. So I think it's just, I mean, it's its big. It just, I don't think there's such a thing as Latino fan base and then right, other fan base. I, I feel like Raider Nation is just united. We just we kind of just go along. Does it, that make it, sense? Yeah, of course. And so like, I guess my follow-up with that was going to be, is there a strong Latino support for the Raiders because of the cities that they're affiliated with, right? You know, Oakland and then, of course, L.A. Or, or is there something about the Raiders and the branding that does, like, echo and communicate and, like, really connect to Latinos? I think there's a lot that connects to Latinos when it comes to Raider Nation. And one of the biggest thing is, you know, it's family. There's also that idea of rejection. And so when you have a lot of Latinos in the U.S., for example, that are immigrants, and they felt that rejection, the, the outside feeling, the, you know, maybe I don't belong, maybe I do. And the Raiders' history kind of goes that way when we look at it with the NFL, where it was like, we belong, but we don't. We're the outsiders. You know, even in Spanish, there's a nickname called Los Malosos, which is like, you know, the mean ones, the 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 dirty ones, the, you know, the ones that don't quite fit in, like the misfits. Um, so there's a lot of things that kind of correlate, but of course you have also the, you know, the, co- the, the coach that took us to the Super Bowl. um, you know, he was a Latino our quarterback was a Latino. Um, so it's just, there's a lot in the history of Raider nation that connects us to the Latinos. I actually, I was talking to one of my colleagues the other day and I said, you know, it's funny how nowadays everything is marketable. It's like, Oh, he's dating a Latina, you know, he's a running back, but his girlfriend is a Latina. So let's expose that because then there's that connection. But I'm like, are you kidding me? The Raiders had a Latino head coach, had a Latino quarterback. We went to the Super Bowl. 
And nobody was saying anything. We were just kind of saying like, hey, he's he's Latino. Let's go. We're going to be right there. Um, but yeah, so there's there's a lot of it. And I think that's one of the reasons that and obviously the cities, I mean, L.A., Oakland, especially L.A., is a lot of people say it's like a small, a mini Mexico sometimes, but there's just a lot of diversification. So, yeah. Mara Gomez, uh, Cofield and Company back in studio with Damon, JVT, Cofield out here at Resorts World. A little more basketball conversation. In about 10 minutes, we're going to talk to uh, Steve Alford as we go on in Reno and further preview what's going to happen on the men's side in the Mountain West Conference. Um, let's go back about two minutes what was that word you said for the mean ones, the misfits? Los, los malosos. Can we be that on the show? Malosos. Like can, can, can our show be? Yeah, los malosos. We are mean and dirty and, we, and misfits. <laughs> we, do have, we do have a flair when you're not here and I host the show. We do call the show Vantobo y los vatos. Oh, see? Si? But that's I didn't a, know that. That's that's right? lo, but that's los vatos. That's not, that's not <laughs> malosos. It's a whole, different, whole we, different thing. Can we just change the name of the show? We, we need a freshening up, like, that's right. that. It's that and Cofield. Yeah, maybe. Say it again. Do, do the whole do the whole the, name again. The malo, los malosos. I like John's name. What was it again, John? Fantobi los matos and Cofield. Yeah. yeah, I like that one. That that suits <laughs> the name better. I still get that <laughs> some part of the title, right? Something. So you know, there's actually. I think when you talk also about Latino fan base, you also you know you also refer to the fans in Mexico, obviously. Mm-hmm. And my case was there. Um, Back when in 2016, and I remember him talking about what the Raider Nation was. And one of the stories that he shared was this name of the Malosos actually also comes because we would not shower. Intimidation was a big thing when I was a player. And I was like, are you kidding me? He's like, no, we would not wash our uniforms. We would want the opponents to call us to look at us and be like oh my gosh they're dirty and they're they're rough and he's like so we'd go the entire season without washing our socks and i was like what oh boy he's i was like that is just disgusting he's like no that's what we did and i was like oh well a lot of things now make sense why we were the misfits of the nfl but yes so there you go just putrid uh um, is part of the spanish broadcast team again tell people where they can hear the games if you want it yeah, so you can hear all the games en español at Raiders.com slash español. And you can also follow all the content en español and all calls, uh, Harry, Harry's calls on our social medias in Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Los so, Raiders. So you cover the Raiders. What's your, um, what's your second favorite thing you've covered? What else do you like? Um, I like soccer. I'm starting to like WNBA. I became a um, I'm a Las Vegas Aces fan now. I've been to two of their games and they've won two and zero, baby. We're gonna close it up in New York. See, it's like I'm a real fan. <laughs> you can be a real fan. There's nothing wrong with that. I know. I got season tickets too for next year, so I'm a real fan. Oh, okay. I was gonna say you got season tickets, but you only been to two games. <laughs> like you're not using them well. I mean, I will say I just bought them yesterday. <laughs> between the Aces and the Vegas Golden Knights, it is raising the bar here for everyone else, including the Raiders. Yes, and we while fans will, fan, they do. While fans will come here from everywhere, uh, rooting for opposing teams, it is one of the issues the Raiders are going to have because the bar has been set high with VGK, and now the Aces are coming behind them potentially with two straight championships. I mean, there's already enough pressure on you know uh, MD and the crew who's working for them to win, but they gotta they gotta match it. They gotta start. You know, start winning at a higher level. Absolutely. And Devontae actually talked about that this week when I asked him, you know, you you won on Monday. Is this the is this what you want to remember? Is this kind of the feeling that you want to bottle up and carry on? And he goes, no, no, no. We won. Yeah, okay, that's cool. 
but we have to win in a dominating way. We have to find a way to be dominant, to, to say we won this game, where in this case, it was the defense. You know, defense got the, one, the win, and as offense, we didn't come through. And so it needs to be a full team dynamic. These wins need to be dominant, and they need to be powerful, and we need to send a message. And, I, and so they understand what they need, yeah. and I think, you know, they just have to work on it. Sure. Uh, where are you on Twitter? I am at Myra L. Gomez. M-A-Y-R-A-L-G-O-M-E-Z. We are up against it for this hour. Uh, we'd love to talk to you again down the road. And I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to come into studio. Makes it work better. Thank you so much. I know. Thank you for having me.